Amen. And now, for the word of God this morning, we have two who are going to read for us. And you're first, right? You're first. Okay, are you ready? Can you hold on to that? This is why I kneel before the Father. Every ethnic group in heaven or on earth is recognized by him. I ask that he will strengthen you in your inner selves from the riches of his glory through the Spirit. I ask that the Christ will live in your heart, hearts through faith as a result of having strong roots in love. I ask that you'll have the power to grasp love's width and length, height and depth together with all believers. I ask that you'll know the, the love of Christ that is beyond knowledge so that you will be filled with entirely with the fullness of God. Glory to God who is able to do far beyond all that we could ask or imagine by his power at work within us. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus for all generations, forever and always. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was wo a wonderful gift to have uh, Claire and Noah read for us this morning. And what they read to us was Paul's prayer. Paul's prayer to the church at Ephesus. Because this prayer is the only starting place for us as people on a journey. And that journey we're going to reflect on today is the discipleship journey, otherwise known as the journey, the big D. I saw that out on the sign this morning. I know you've been looking at those kinds of things with, with the letters each week. So today it's the big D. And in this particular subject, the subject of discipleship. If you just think about that word, I know you have things running through your mind as you think about it. And what I do know is that there are times when this word discipleship can be a showstopper. You know when it becomes a showstopper? It becomes a showstopper when we think about it in terms of our own personal success or failure. In other words, am I being a good disciple? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? We think that way as humans a lot. Instead of thinking about what God is doing that we just simply need to embrace. Amen? We need to embrace what God is doing. We can frame our discipleship journey this way because of the prayer the children shared with us from Ephesians. This prayer is not Paul's prayer for his own personal place of weakness. Help me, Lord, with where I am weak. No, Paul is not doing that. Paul's prayer is centered in the praising and the sense of awe and wonder that is God. The same God that is present in us through the Holy Spirit. Of all that I studied on prayer this week, this is what impacted me the most. This is what I look for. When I look at a commentary, I look for something that reaches out and grabs me and says something that 
that I really need to hear that might help tilt me on my side a little bit. And that's what happened to me with this passage this week, this prayer from Ephesians. The commentaries were saying to me that this prayer is really like a doxology. It's praise God from whom all blessings flow, giving God credit for whatever it is that is in us that allows for us to be the disciples God is calling us to be. The primary theme, friends, in Paul's letters is his confidence to make meaning out of our lives and embrace the mystery of our faith. Yes, our faith is mysterious. There are things we don't know. There are answers we are looking for. And when we live into the mystery that is God, we work to bring meaning and understanding to the presence of God in the person of Jesus Christ. We become a little more like Paul, a little more recognizing of the blessing and the goodness of God, not looking at ourselves and in our humanness and in our frailties because so much can happen in us when we recognize who God is. So what is the disciple's journey? The journey of the disciple is first a journey of learning. Can you all see all right? Because the diagram's important today. It's a journey of learning. And you know, in the last 10 years of my life, I've come to understand more about learning and what it brings as far as depth of purpose to our discipleship journey. It is this depth that moves us and changes us and brings us close to God and the people of God. This visual is intended to be a helpful understanding for us and to help us look at how we learn. This diagram emerged for me when I studied Marjorie Thompson's work when she began to work on the study Companions in Christ. It's an amazing discipleship resource. But this diagram, when I read Marjorie's work, the initial thing that was in my head was a rectangle. And what we know about being people of faith is nothing moves in a box. We shouldn't even put God in a box. So this became a circle. It became a circle because circles don't end. And our journey as a disciple doesn't end either. We should be lifelong learners. And if we're not, we're missing. We're missing the opportunity to chip away every day a little more at that mystery of God. Now, this visual interpretation has at the very center of it another circle. And that circle is the most important. It is the place where our learning is processed and where we find God and make meaning for our lives. And most of the time, folks, this is what we miss. We do a really good job of hearing things. We do a really good job of looking for things that will give us more information, applying our life experience, and then the things that are part of our culture affect us. So we, we got this whole Wesleyan thing going on around the outside, but what we forget to do is put it all together and work on it. It all needs to be stirred together 
in order for us to continue to be awed by the presence of God and the person of Christ. We can't just do those four things and call it good. There's more to it than that. And most of the time, I've noticed as a pastor working with educational materials that a lot of times that part's missing from the curriculum. Oh, they call it life application or something like that. But we don't do the best job we could do of stirring it around and asking ourselves the questions. Giving yourself permission to ask the questions. The processing needs to be fully embraced. Now, could it be that what we hear, what we seek out, cultural influences and life experience when integrated and processed, actually engage the mystery. Ever thought about that? Engaging the mystery of God? We will begin in talking a little bit more about this on this diagram. And before we turn away from the diagram, because we're not going to look at it for another time after this, we're going to go in a counterclockwise direction around this. We're going to start with what we hear and move all the way around to cultural influences. And we're going to do that because Christians and what they do in their discipleship work with Christ is counter to the world. We are not moving the way the world is moving. We're moving in another direction. It's that reversal that comes through scriptures. We see it all the time. So we're going to take a counterclockwise direction through this. And we're going to see this counterclockwise stuff so much in this moving toward Easter. As we go through this last part of Lent and we move to Holy Week, we're going to see the reversal because, folks, people expected a king, but not the one they thought was coming. The one that was coming came on a donkey that he borrowed, not a white horse. This king who was coming would bring life out of death. That's counter to the world, isn't it? So that's why we're going in that direction. So we begin with what we seek and what we hear. Let's think about that. In looking at what we hear and what we seek out, our learning brings us opportunities to do two things. When we learn, we're exploring theology, which is the study of God, and we're looking at history, the study of the story of the people of God. And this learning involves taking in information presented in settings like classes or here in church with a sermon and in casual settings where conversation is happening. If we follow that line of thinking, let's take this example. One way to position yourself for the journey of a disciple is to come to church. On Sunday, you hear a message. Something you hear interests you. And you decide you're going to find out more about it. Maybe it's a book the pastor mentioned. Maybe it's a quote from a particular person. And you decide you're going to go and get some more information on that. But what if you take some extra steps? What if 
you were consciously aware when that light bulb goes off in the pastor's words and you say, I want to know more about that? What if you ask yourself, I wonder where that's coming from? And not give yourself credit, but give God credit, the God who is in you, who is asking you and stimulating your thinking and saying, go find out more about this. Because it's not about you. It's about what I want to give you. Going back to that definition of a disciple. Then, when you seek out that information, you begin to take more in, you begin to have more questions, and then are you asking yourself, what is God asking me to do now with all of this that's before me? It could be that God is moving you to have a conversation with other Christian friends and talk about those things that you're feeling. This is what the disciples were doing all the time, following Jesus everywhere, listening to him, being intrigued by him, saying, what is he saying? And trying to figure it out, talking among themselves. We don't do this today. We need to do this, just like those 12 did it. If we begin to integrate things like this, we will ask ourselves more, we will listen more, we will talk more, we will be more keenly aware that God is present in this, that it's not us, because that's where we fall down. God is present in it. And so we'll continue to confront the mystery. We'll keep it up. Now, how about life experience? Let's think about life experience all through the week. You're on life's journey, right? Some days you like it, and some days you don't. You're encountering people, you're experiencing the everyday routine and the surprises that come, whether they are positive or negative. Experiences we're having now can also bring to mind experiences of our past. This is where sometimes we hit a bump in the road. We push those away, those experiences from our past. I've been working with children for a long, long time. And what I have learned from children is how to remember the experiences of God, the times when God showed up. And not letting someone tell me that my little story about the power of God's presence, oh, that was just when you were little. We need to remember those times when we were little and be in that place with God all the time. Allow ourselves to open up because we know about that pure, unadulterated presence of God. Every time I have talked about discipleship anywhere, someone has come up to me after the service, and they have said, you know, I'm thinking, I'm remembering a time when I was little. And I just, you know, that was, it was a powerful thing that happened to me, but I just dismissed it and said to myself, I was just little. What we know today, and I've shared this in this congregation before, is that children bring us that pure sense of the presence of God, and we give to them the language to talk about it. So, you got the language. You got the conversations with your friends. 
you've got this presence of God pushing you and stirring you and keeping you going, but then remember, remember when you saw that God was there. If you're searching and if you're struggling, God has been with you. Remember those times when God has been with you. We need to recover from this loss, friends. If the same has happened to you, and we need to embrace the experiences anew because they are God's gift. Let them be there for you. Let them remind you. We even have traditions. We even have traditions chosen by us or given to us that assist us in practicing our faith and being good disciples. In vulnerable moments, do you know where we go? We go to the things that we know. Our experiences of God, our traditions, this is so much the way John Wesley believed. If we allow ourselves and others to dismiss our experiences of God, we will resume our old ways, putting off God moments and putting off growth opportunities. The disciples were right there too. After Jesus rose from the dead, the disciples were afraid. They were tempted and really tried to go back to things the way they were before they even knew him. They hid in a room behind a door. But then they remembered. He began to help them remember. They were reminded that he fed people. And so he brought them fish and bread at the seashore. He kindled their memories. He came to them on the road to Emmaus. He reminded them of all the times when they felt they were in the presence of God. The plural of discipleship, friends, is the word church. Because we get our memories in the stories that are ours, that are shared. And that is what an author who I read believes, that the plural of discipleship is church. Reverend Allison Morgan, the author of Following Jesus, the plural of discipleship is church, wrote in the second chapter of her book that our whole journey matters not only where we are right now. The whole journey matters. It gives us context for the future. So we'll move on to cultural influences. This is the last learning component, and it is more elusive. This one's a little bit harder. The culture you live in sets up your learning context for your journey. Context is determined by where you live, who you live with, and the general environment that you live in. Secularization is also a cultural influence on those who are on the discipleship journey. Don't we live daily within the context of a shrinking number of people who have any connection to the church? And we can experience this as a challenge to our discipleship. According to Reverend Morgan, she offers this to the conversation. She says, there is a new way to view this context. Because you know, we can get really down and frustrated and challenged when we don't have the places to go in the world where we can talk as we talk as people of faith. So she says, there, there are many things that have changed. The idea of church is missing for some. It's unfavorable for others. 
But she said, there is something that has not changed, and we forget this. And it goes back to that prayer of Paul. Are we coming to this out of the weak places, or are we coming to it out of the strength? Because she says, what is still true, what has not changed, is that the good news of Jesus is still what people need. They still need it. This should be what guides our learning within our cultural context. It will help us move our focus from the people who are not in our church to impacting the people who are outside of our church just simply by engaging in relationship and allowing people to know that they matter and they're valued. Don't we all want to know that? Because, you know, if you go out into the world and you value people everywhere you are, they're going to want to know what's in you that's making you do that. And they get more comfortable about asking you, hey, what makes you like that? Why do you act this way? How come you love everybody? They want to know, and they become different. Jesus challenges us, just like he challenged the 12 disciples, to be more tomorrow than we are today in our relationship with God. Simply, if you wake up every morning and say, God, make me more tomorrow or more today than I was yesterday and more today than I am tomorrow, it will make a difference. It will make a difference. And what's the whole point? The whole point of this, friends, is the transforming because that's where it all leads. The whole circle is designed after and during all this processing that we're doing that what we engage in will transform us. True discipleship results in a change. So we will be different. How can we not be different if God's in this? And if this is God's process, not mine, I will be a different person. When we process all the components of the learning circle, we realize that we are not learning from our teacher. We are learning to be like our teacher. This transforming that is the result of the processing we do, it's active. It's not passive. It is active because it is the work of the mind, and it is the work of embracing a way of living. It is about what we are becoming in Christ, not what we know. What are we becoming? You know, like that caterpillar in the cocoon that becomes a butterfly. And then, it you know, that cycle keeps going. It doesn't stop keeps right on going. This process is whole. It's a holistic process involving the mind, the body, and the spirit. A disciple is a whole person, not just one of those three. Reverend Morgan looks to three questions to help us understand transforming and change. Have you ever experienced the difference between a volunteer and a disciple, that's question one of her three. Because you see, Jesus doesn't need volunteers. Jesus isn't looking for volunteers. He's looking for witnesses to the ways of God. So when you go and you do with your hands, or you do with some part of you, some gift you've been given, you are not bringing yourself as a volunteer. You are a witness to the person of Jesus Christ. 
You know, people often say that, that phrase you hear, go be Jesus with skin on. You hear that all the time. Well, you know, what does that mean? You got to know what that means. It means something. It doesn't mean just show up. It means bring God with you. Let people see God in you. Question two, can you see yourself as an apprentice, as one who is like Jesus? Because that word describes what we're doing in this discipleship thing. We're an apprentice. Apprentices have a whole or complete experience. They watch, they do, they practice, and they move on to perfection. Wesley is all over this process. Moving on to perfection doesn't mean you're going to be a perfect person, but it means you're just going to keep working on this. You're going to keep practicing and doing and watching and witnessing so that you can be God's person in the world. Third question, I wonder if you can imagine an effective Jesus apart from community. Now, this is where all of our friends out in the world who don't come to church on Sunday will say, oh, but I can go and I can find God in the woods and I can find God on the mountaintop or skiing or in my back. Yeah, sure you can. You can find God in all those places and a lot of us do it. But we cannot exist without community. I love meditation in my little backyard garden. But unless I take what God's giving me when I'm sitting there in meditation and I talk about it with my friends and I keep wondering, okay, what did God say to me as I was meditating there in my little garden? What am I supposed to do now? Why am I asking this question? Lord, help me with what you want me to know. Now I need to go out into community to complete that. Did you ever see Jesus ignore community? No. He went off and he prayed. You read about that all the time. How he left them and he prayed. He went to a place set apart and he prayed. But he always came back. He always came back to the people. (sighs) Last, number eight, brings us back full circle. To close our time together, we need a way to truly embrace discipleship because we are discovering, as Reverend Morgan has said, that it is the most important issue facing the church in our Western culture. We must understand that if we are are not really sure what it is, it has no meaning. Now, you would think that people would know what it is, but they really don't. Reverend Morgan had a friend who was a seminary professor, and every year he would ask his students two questions. Two questions he would ask them. The questions were, are you, are you a good disciple? They would linger. Take a little while, they'd look at each other, and then they'd slowly put up their hands. Then he would say to them, if you're a Christian, raise your hand. Well, hands went right up. No problem you know what, you can't do this unless you're both because they're both important. We need each of them. We must have certainty. Being a disciple is about the work 
and being Christian is about the result. If you don't write anything else down today, write that down. Being a disciple is about the work, and being Christian is about the result. In the UK, where Reverend Morgan lives, there's a term for this, whole life disciple. She's from the UK. Whole life disciple refers to those who are living and sharing the gospel in their everyday lives. And I'd like to end with this statement. A whole life is more than all of your life. It is having a complete life in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen.